You know those times in the day when you can't fit in a full podcast? Running out to the store, walking the dog, or washing the dishes? Jam is the new way to listen when you have just enough time for the perfect short audio playlist. Get started at listentojam.com slash podcast and get your daily Jam playlist filled with more voices in less time. With Jam, you can choose from news, parenting tips, wellness advice, and more. Go to listentojam.com slash podcast and satisfy your curiosity with short audio. Discover something new every day. Spring training is right around the corner. So come for the games and have a ball in Arizona. With world-class resorts, unbeatable dining and nightlife, amazing scenery, and endless outdoor adventure. Make your visit unforgettable. Plan your getaway at myspringtraining.com. You're listening to the Fade to Bay Network. <laughs> Nothing's going your way. You've had a bad day. It's good to keep it simple. Michelle and Seth. Say, take a deep breath from fade to gray. It's mental. Hey, everybody, welcome back to Mental. I am hey. one of your hosts, Michelle Collins. Seth's sitting here with me on the microphone. Say hi, Seth. Hey there. <laughs> we are back. We are in the middle of a series. We are here today to have what we believe is going to be a more difficult conversation, yes. uh, certainly more emotional, probably for both of us. Yep. But an oh-so-necessary conversation in reference to what we're discussing. This is very much something that needs to be understood as best we can. I don't know that we'll have a full understanding. But as you know, we've been talking about stages of power. And today we're going to hit a wall. Yes. That's the what we're going to do. The infamous wall. <laughs> Yeah, it's not actually one of the stages now, so that we clarify. This is not one of the stages. Um, this is actually an interlude, so to speak. But before we get to this, and you know where I'm going to go, yes, I want a middle minute. I, and you have to start. I felt like I just gave one is what I just, it seems it's like. It's been a while. It has it. Uh, <laughs> it, ha it has been a minute. And uh, <laughs> I'm doing well. Are you? I mean, it's again. I, I, I kind of feel as if I've been in a, like an emotional hangover. So when I yeah. say I'm I'm doing well, I'm uh, what I mean by that is that there hasn't been any like major drama drops. Oh, good. <laughs> since we've last recorded, but I am still feeling very raw emotionally. Mm. Okay. Work is going um, pretty well. I've got a, a good class right now, and. Um, I actually recently talked to my boss, well, not my boss, I talked to my old director today, mm. and I'm actually going to start taking phone calls again per oh. DM, like after hours, one, to keep myself sharp, just both clinically, but then also it's good money. So yeah. I'm, I'm pretty Well, okay, let's hold on that. a minute. Let's just hold on a minute. Mm -hmm. um, I, I'm sure you've referenced it before, but I don't know that you've actually explained what it is you do. You are oh. in the mental health field, but I think yes. you should probably explain what it is you do. Sure. I work for a private insurance company and I worked as a care manager for their EAP employee assistance uh, program side of the business and then also assist on some of the higher level of care health plan contracts for when they call in for like pre-certs for like inpatient, IOP, PHP, uh, TMS, you know, authorizations, treatment that requires an authorization. So you're talking about mental health treatments, correct? Yes. Yes. Okay. Specifically, I work for a specialized behavioral health care insurance company. So it's okay. all behavioral health, mental health. Uh, and I did that for about a year and a half. And then I recently transitioned um, in March over to their corporate training team. So I'm hmm. actually um, am training all of the uh, new hires that carry a clinical license. Oh, so I'm training. See, now that's cool. Stuff. And now you're saying you're going back on the phones as well. Yeah. To just, deal with people that are calling in with some kind of crisis or issue. Potentially, it could be an issue. It could be a hospital calling. It could be mm -hmm. someone simply calling in to utilize their employee assistance program benefits, like free counseling, uh -huh. free legal, free financial. Um, sometimes awesome. they call in just to talk, you know, if they're stressed. <laughs> um, we offer it as a 24 hour line. 
So That's I'm just awesome. going. Yeah, I'm just going back to the phone like on the weekends for extra money and to keep myself clinically sharp. So yeah, I'm actually looking forward to it. And quite frankly, I think it might be good for my mental health to do it. (laughs) So in talking about a mental minute. Yeah. yeah, I think anytime we help somebody else, it's therapeutic for us. Yeah. It, it provides an outlet for us to process as well. So I think that's awesome. Yeah. Well, just as, as I moved over to um, becoming a corporate trainer, I, I, I miss that clinical touch. You know, yeah. I can talk all day about what I expect and hope that our licensed clinicians are going to do on the phone, but it's completely different doing it yourself. And so oh, for sure. And, and there comes a lot of difficulty with it, but also a lot of reward. And right. I kind of, I kind of been missing out on that reward. So I'm mm-hmm. pretty, pretty stoked to kind of get back on the phone in that regard. <laughs> well, and now to set people's mind at ease, that's not something you just randomly decided to do some one day. You actually are educated in this area Correct. in a couple different ways. You have two master's degrees. So and they are in, they are in I what? Am, um, I have a master's degree in social work and I am clinically licensed in the state of Missouri. And then I also hold a second master's in healthcare administration. Okay. So you're not just Joe Smo off the street. Right. Dispensing right. mental health advice. Yes. Which no. is good. <laughs> That is You're also not just some random pastor who thinks they understand psychological. Uh-oh. Oh, that, that, maybe I'm stepping in something that, there. <laughs> that, I don't know. That doesn't that doesn't happen. Pastors oh. past, <laughs> Pastors don't do therapy. What Oh my you, god, I'm not going to be able to stop laughing over that one. What are you talking about? <laughs> pastors. Jesus, that's one of my pet peeves. One of my pet peeves. You mean it happens? Pastors are doing therapy? Are they billing? Yeah, they they do it from a biblical basis, so it's oh. okay. Oh, so you mean it's just a bunch <laughs> of bullshit? Often. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure so that's going to piss some people off. I'm sorry. But yeah. that is one of my pet peeves. I really do feel that uh, people within the pastoral vocation mm-hmm. should actually have at least a class in uh, the psychological <laughs> before they start counseling anybody. Yes. Uh, At least one. <laughs> and, and I just may note to kind of mention this, that there is a big difference kind of where you get your education from in regards sure. to the credentialing and the licensing. And mm. just throwing this out there, I am not against Christian counseling. By no, I'm all not means, either. I think that seeing either. a counselor that falls in line with your religious beliefs is a great thing. But what's important is that the person that you're receiving this feedback from is a credit is has a degree and right. specific education and practice from an institution that's accredited. And we have a lot yeah. of Christian seminaries and organizations out there that are training people in, into the ministry that don't carry that credential. Right. And, without, and that's my pet peeve. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's my concern yeah. is that often they're being, people are being counseled Mm-hmm. from a theological standpoint without any reference to or concern for their mental health. And especially as you're talking about situations such as spousal abuse, mm-hmm. which is often a point of counseling in the Christian realm, in the yes, church. it is. Very common. Child actually. abuse, any of those, any sexual abuse, any of those things. From a purely theological or biblical standpoint, you are going to differ greatly as it pertains to somebody else's mental health. Mm-hmm. And so that is my, again, so when I say that's my pet peeve, that's what I'm talking about is I, I don't think that just anybody who's decided one day they're going to be a pastor. And by the way, there are lots of pastors who do not have any kind of formal theological training. What? We're not talking just psychological training. We're talking formal theological training. Yeah. And and yet they're sitting down and counseling people. So no psychological training, no theological training, just opinion. Okay. And I, I know this is a whole thing. We could go into this yeah, forever. Yeah, you, so. <laughs> yeah, you just, you just. I stepped in it. You did. And, and, and now, now I got to talk because. Oh, I, we'll do it. I do know. it. Okay. So I'm going to speak a little dirt. Now, this Uh-oh. is a very well-known pastor. He has published many books. He's been Uh-oh. on my podcast, Fade to Gray. He's also been on every other religion podcast. I oh, know. boy. Brian Zahn does not carry a degree from a seminary. He started and is that well known or are you dishing dirt? I don't I don't know, but I know he doesn't. <laughs> he started wow. teaching uh, 
just preaching and when he was like 19 and like yeah. this basement called the catacombs and eventually he started wow. word of life and it's now a, a mega church in st joseph missouri and he's right. very well regarded across the yeah. entire religious perspective the entire religious spectrum realm I've, or spectrum, realm sure. something like that yeah and he doesn't carry uh a degree. And well, I've he's always, not alone. I found that interesting. He's not alone. I th- I think there's a large majority of pastors that don't have any kind of formal theological training or biblical training. And I've got some very, very good friends, by the way, who are, who are deeply theological that do carry those degrees, that have studied those original languages, that would look at that and say, see, that's some bullshit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You don't know the you don't know the foundational languages. You're not trained in any kind of theological thought. You're just out here spouting opinion. Yeah, that's what it comes down to. And again, I know this is probably going to piss some people off, so we should probably get off this it subject is. because uh, this we, could be a whole thing in its own. This is an episode in and of itself. And, it, it really is. <laughs> and the truth of the matter is, this is far new. This is very nuanced. So very much so. So yeah. you know, I think we need to be careful. Sure. Um, even my comment about Brian, because I. I love the dude, but yeah. I, we, and he's highly regarded. I'm very, not dismissing that at all. He's very highly regarded. Yeah. Just don't ask me about LGBTQ issues. I don't know him personally. I met him once, but <sighs> yeah, well, I just, um, <laughs> this is very nuanced and it's hard to even broach this topic because I, I don't think we should make any blanket statements, right? No, no, no. I agree. I don't like blanket statements, period. Right. Because this is nuanced. So I, you know, Absolutely. we're just sharing our own. So if we have offended you. We apologize. We apologize. But now I'm just sharing a pet peeve from the mental health perspective. And talking about your pet peeves, let's shift this (laughs) right on over to Michelle for her mental minute. Oh boy. Fill me in. Well, you know, you know this already. I'm, I'm in the middle of traveling. I'm Mm -hmm. actually recording right now from a hotel room in Denver. Mm -hmm. My family left this morning. I'm going to be lagging a day because I had work to do and podcasts to record. So we are traveling cross country. Of course, we're in the middle of this move. I finally do have authorization on my house on the other end. So Yay! <laughs> that's a big, big load off my mind. Other than that, I'm feeling pretty good. I've, I've spent the last few days working with my coach in person, which was a great, fun experience. And uh, she kicked my ass pretty much. That's what you want though, right? I did want that. I did want her correcting some stuff. We went through form on actual lifting. We went through cardio. We went through posing. And that, of course, is what I really need her her expertise on is posing. I I was so, so very nervous to meet her in person. Uh, I talked to her on the phone all the time. We text all the time. We're on social media together. She sees all my pictures. So I shouldn't have been nervous, but I wasn't. She actually laughed at me. She goes, what are you nervous about? And I said, I was afraid that in person, I was going to be a disappointment to you. (sighs) And she was like, oh my God, she gets on me. Because I'm very, very much a negative person as it pertains to my own self Uh and my own accomplishments. My self-image is something that does suffer quite often. And I'm I'm working on it on getting better at that. And that's what I tried to tell her. I'm like, you're, you're actually dealing with 40, 40 to 45 years of conditioning here of who I am. And so you're trying to unwork it here in a very short period of time. <laughs> so she does get very frustrated with me if I say anything negative, but yeah, she, she gave me great feedback. She said, you look fantastic. You're right where I think you should be. This is going to work. I said, okay. So, but of course in my head, I'm hearing she's just being nice. Cause I'm standing in front of her. <laughs> Right. Of course, you're going to discredit. I don't. I always no, do. There's no. I'm not surprised by that at all. <laughs> I know. I'm also not surprised that she's not concerned at all. So there you yeah, are. Yeah. Well, see, again, I have a hard time with that. But anyway, it was. It's been a good experience. You know, and tomorrow I get to drive for 12 hours. So I'm. I'm hoping that that's going to go well because. Uh, my body's tired and sore. So who knows? <laughs> I truthfully we'll am a bit jealous of the drive. Are you? Uh, yeah. I really would like to go on a massive road trip. To me, being I in a car it. for 12 hours right now would seem like a vacation. It, it feels that way to me, too. I know I just <laughs> got off vacation, but truthfully, I was with my parents. <laughs> exactly. So it is different. It is not the same thing. And yeah. I would just love to get in a car and drive. Just oh, go I love it. I'm in the car by myself because my family's all driving separately. So I have the car to myself. I can listen to whatever music I want. I listen to podcasts. I spent a couple hours the other day on the phone with my daughter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I just love it. It, it. It's it's relaxing to me. Uh, however, because I have injuries to my body, it's also kind of hard and taxing on my body to sit that long. So I have to. St- I stop about every hundred miles, get out and stretch and 
move around and all that. And that kind of breaks it up for me. And just always making sure that tank is at Ugh. full and uh, filling up at every gas station. Uh, I'm, I'm hoping. I told you about driving to Utah, right? The you trip did. into Utah. That's what I'm I, I almost about. ran out of gas. I still don't know how I made it. I, it was the middle of the night, the middle of nowhere, no gas stations, and I had zero gas. There were no lines left on my display. So you know what that tells me? Hmm. You know what I was raised and taught to believe? Yeah, God That's was taking God's care of me. God's intervention. Mm-hmm. He saved yeah. you that night. See, I just really have a hard time with that. And uh, again, I, I'm sure this is stuff we've mentioned before. I have a hard time with that because there's how many people in the world and in dire situations and God would choose to take care of me in that situation instead of help them. I kind of have a problem with that. I mean, I could have slept on the side of the road for a night. I would have been fine. You're special, though. No, I'm not, though. God's chosen. Anyway, that's my problem. And you know that. That's my problem with prayer. That's my problem with God right now. That's everything. But that's a great segue into our topic, by the way. I know. <laughs> oh, look at you planning. <laughs> you manipulated me. Look at what you did there. Mm-hmm. I'm impressed. I know. So let's let's talk about let's do it. Let's let's talk about the wall. So okay. kind of just really quick rehashing where we have been thus far. Right. Um, right. We've been talking about the stages of power, and we've looked at the stage of powerlessness, power by association, power by achievement, and then last week we talked about the power by reflection, which right. I think that the power of reflection, specifically if you listen to that episode with achievement um, and kind of hear our hearts and where we talk about as we start reflecting, as we start looking inward, things start to to come to the surface. And that brings us to a wall. Tell us a little bit about this wall. It's kind of nebulous. It's difficult to describe because I think we've mentioned this before. It's going to look different for each person, but basically it's your ego. You run headfirst into your own ego. Uh, and, and what it wants, the hurts, the things that may have made you stagnate in your progress or evolution and what you're trying to be or to do. And it's, it's a spot of difficult, uh, difficulty. I, I don't know that I've met anybody that is aware of this that has said, Oh yeah, I got past that pretty quickly. I don't think that's true. I think this is actually a process that at the risk of being daunting can take a while. Mm-hmm. And when we say and, take um, a while, we're talking not months. Right. Could be. I mean, we're maybe it's only years. months for some people. Uh, honestly, for me, it's been a couple years now, at, at least. So, and ironically, you know, I, I had this whole, like I mentioned, I had this long conversation with my daughter the other day because my daughter is in the middle of questioning a lot of her beliefs and mm-hmm. apparently has been since her sophomore year of, of college. I did not know that. Mm. I know that she really, really was struggling in her sophomore year of college and I thought it was something else. I did not realize it was, she was questioning her beliefs at that point. But yeah, she and I spent a lot of time talking the other day about these different kinds of things and talking about hitting this wall and and struggling here for quite some time. And again, her wall looks different than mine right? and different from yours. So in, in talking about this being a nebulous thing, mm-hmm. um, in talking about the wall, because people might not, we, we talk, hey, we're confronting our ego. These things are happening. Right. But like what? What is tangibly happening on the ground level toward someone would know that, hey, um, I might be at the wall other than, hey, I'm going to start confronting my ego. Like what's what's <laughs> like what's what's going on there? I really feel like there's a lot of vacillation and confusion mm-hmm. in in your thought processes and, and even how you express what you're thinking and feeling. You may go back and forth. It's also a spot where many people feel like I can't go any further. And, and so you may see them looking backwards. And I, I know I've heard you express this. I know, but I've experienced it. That idea of wanting to go back. Yes. Go back to a different stage or a different uh, level of understanding because it was comfortable there. And, and I know I went through that. And I remember even pleading with God at some point to just let me go back to what I used to believe. Because even though I think it's kind of screwed up, at least I understood it. It made sense. I felt like I understood my place in it, even though I was constantly believing I was going to hell and God didn't like me. At least I understood trying to strive to be good enough. And now I'm kind of in this no man's land where I'm not sure of anything, not even God. So it sounds like hurts. So it sounds like for you, the wall is religion. The wall is God. (sighs) You know, I, my daughter and I talked about this the other day. And in the middle of that conversation, I had a realization. I thought, that the wall for me was my belief in God. 
mm-hmm. uh, and struggling with that. And then I realized that that's a symptom. Uh, just in the middle of that conversation, I went, holy crap, I know what the wall is. And the wall is me, my self-image. Because I've never believed I'm good enough. I've never believed I'm worthy of love. I've never believed that I'm okay. And because of that, because I understand what God's nature is supposed to look like, I'm struggling to believe in God because I don't know, I don't see how he could love me. So mm. the the idea of God seem should be a comfort and yet it's not at this point. And so I really thought that was the problem, but now I'm really starting to realize it's about how I see myself. Yeah, but um at the at, at its core. God's part of that. Well, sure, because he's been a part of my life. Right. Yeah. Well, this is getting a little real. I mean, that he's been very much something I'm aware of my entire life from a very very young age. Mm-hmm. So I you know, so of course he's going to be all mixed up into that conversation, but I still feel as though he is the idea of whether I believe in God or not is a symptom of how accepting I am of myself, hmm. which is often not good. <laughs> well, and I could go many places with this, but is potentially this view of yourself partially what's responsible for all of the achievement that you've you've received from bodybuilding to book oh, writing sure. to yeah. your accounting business from all of that it, it, all the degrees it, everything mm-hmm. it's uh, certifications degrees i've got things out the yin yang yeah it's all an attempt to try and be good enough to be acceptable mm-hmm. you know and and yet i find myself constantly still striving still not sure that it's enough or that i'm okay and I, i'll be honest i'm not quite sure how to get past that yeah no i'm so that's the wall. That's my wall. How do I go on to find purpose or wisdom if I don't trust myself? And that's what it comes back to. So that's my wall. I just don't know what to do about it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can keep trying to climb that damn thing, but I don't know that I have it in me to get over it. She didn't offer any like real answers to this in regard. No, I mean, she offered because there aren't. Any. She offered. <laughs> she offered like some basic scenarios and some like yeah, really heartwarming, all happy go lucky, some really heartwarming <laughs> stories that get you moving yeah. forward. Yeah, no, there's no answers. I am no. a licensed therapist, and I don't. I can't really give you that answer. Um, right. I, I think that the answer. I mean from a therapeutic perspective is going back to the scene of the crime, right? It's literally, you you got to explore where that started and where that's coming from, because likely that is based off of an experience or you had or something you were told at a very young age that has stuck with you. Now, how that came about or who said it, who knows? But I think that the answer is starting there. Yeah, and that's daunting. <laughs> that, I mean, literally, I'm sitting here trying not to cry. That is scary and unnerving. And you're right; she doesn't give any answer. I mean, she says a couple things. You know, she's like, "Oh, ways to move beyond this." I, I, I like that. You know, the little ways to move yeah. beyond. Uh, just move beyond your intellect. You know, just get past what you think you know. Uh, let go of control. Yeah, fat fucking chance there. Embrace, oh, sorry. <laughs> embrace your shadow. Yeah, embrace your shadow. Yeah, my shadow kicks my ass on a daily basis. (laughs) Uh, Go to your core. Find intimacy with a higher power. Well, that kind of sucks for me because I'm not sure there is a higher power. That is the problem. (laughs) It's Uh, part of the problem. So Going to your core. Yeah. You know, stripping everything else away. I don't think there's a choice in that. That one right there, stripping everything else away, I think that is this process. Yeah, I don't like it. I don't either. It, it sucks. It hurts. Yeah. So It feels damaging. It is. So so the author, Janet O'Hagberg, in this book, the what is it called? Real Power. She has a quote in here where she says that the wall is the place where the accumulation of things we have hidden from the world or thought we had hidden come out to haunt us at the wall we cannot move forward without embracing our own personal shadow behavior, the behavior right. that we don't want to look at 
but can't seem to avoid anymore. It's the thing where we get stuck. And for me, the thing that I... Yeah, this is going to be hard to talk about, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, yeah, no. Yeah, mm-hmm. it sucks. I was I was listening to you, and <laughs> I'm like, oh, like this crying. is fine. I'm just going to roll off what Michelle says. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. You got all yeah, clinical no. on me while I was the one trying not to mm-hmm. cry, and now you understand how I felt. So, <clears throat> okay, a couple disclaimers because I'm going to get real. Okay. Within the last few weeks there have been some things that have happened, not at work, not like in any professional capacity, but in my relational life with people that have kind of put up a mirror in front of me and kind of forced myself to look at at, at what I say, who I am, and, and what I do. And in doing this, I have discovered patterns. And... A lot of the things mm. that I am being told are things that I have been told before, which means that there has to be some inherent truth in what I am being told. Right. And I don't like it. I have... No. I, it's no fun. <laughs> for years, I dedicated my life, or at least I attempted to, I pre put on the mask of ministry okay i tried to pretend like um, i was this goody two-shoe god saved me god has a plan and i tried to like (laughs) bank a lot of my trust um and my security in my faith essentially in order to hide my insecurities which at that time were just relational stuff like it was i don't get along with my peers like I, i there's something there's some type of disconnect and as i got older i quickly started to realize, hey, guess what? I am a flaming homosexual. I like men. This is an issue. <laughs> um, and I, I knew that in high school. And I hid it. Right. I tried to hide that from everyone and everything until it got to the point that I couldn't fight it anymore. So well, it's it is. pretty normal though, right? It Isn't is. that pretty it's typical? It's very typical. It's a normal story. Yes. Except that I went to my parents and I said, this is how I am. And rather than asking them to accept me, I asked them to help change me. And so I then spent almost five years in an attempt to change my identity and essentially trying to become a heterosexual. My goal was to like women and want to have sex with women. And that is not something that's in my DNA. It doesn't work. So it puts you in this catch-22 where you're screwed if you do and you're screwed if you don't. And that is where I have been. Now, I have talked till the... Till the this is a country phrase, but I have talked till the cows come home. I have talked on podcasts. I have written journals. I have talked to counselors. I have talked to pastors. I have talked to parents. I've talked to friends. I have reached out to almost every person I know in my network as a way of working through this, and it doesn't seem like any amount of talking is fixing any of it. See, I thought from a... Th- have you considered that it doesn't need to be fixed? Now... See, you're jumping on something that. (laughs) See, I think at the core here, we both have the same issue. I do too. Self-image and self-acceptance. Yes. Because it, it, and forgive me if I, you know, say too much here about something you've said to me, but you've talked often about uh, a, a sense of internalized homophobia for yourself. Yes. And again, that comes back to that self-image issue, that am I okay issue. So we're dealing with the same thing. But the problem. Different perspectives. See, but the problem is that it's rooted in the freaking Bible. It's rooted in the Christian faith. It's rooted in the thing which I'm supposed to believe is to save me. Right. I get that. So That makes it really very difficult. It really does. So there's not just the religious aspect to it, though. There's also this familial expectations comparison thing, even to the point of what we talked about in imposter syndrome, where I'm constantly comparing myself and not only comparing myself, but assuming the thoughts of other people towards me and what they're going to think 
towards me based right. upon all of these things. And it keeps me in this, in this box. And mm-hmm. I, I don't, I mean, I guess Janet's calling it a wall. I'm calling it a box, whatever we want to talk about. <laughs> but like, I don't know how you climb that. I mean, as a therapist, exactly. I can encourage positive self-affirmations. I can encourage sure. going back to the scene of the crime and unpacking those issues. But this is the thing. I've been unpacking issues for like the last 15 years. Yeah, it's freaking exhausting, it's isn't it? It's freaking exhausting. <laughs> and there's like no freaking conclusion. And there's not often a break either. I mean, it's just almost a constant, you know, mental gymnastics routine going on in my head. Yes. And it doesn't matter who tells me I'm okay. Right. It doesn't matter. Because I can. Oh, I totally get that. I because I know I tell it. you you're okay all the time. And I know it. you don't believe me. Right. And I can be like, yeah, I know you think that. You're my friend. <laughs> because I wouldn't, I don't believe you when you tell me the same thing. We make those, you know, we, we smile and we say all the right things, you know. <laughs> but deep inside, there's still that disconnect. Mm-hmm. And so, like you just said, and like I said, I don't know how to go past that. And I don't know if that's going to, I hope that resonates with other people. Jesus Christ, I hope we're not the only two people dealing with that. I sure hope not. I mean, I hate that anybody else is dealing with it. Don't get me wrong. I don't wish it on anybody for sure. But God, I hope I'm not that different (laughs) in all honesty. And see, I'm wondering if this is literally just part of, I want to say broken humanity, which that, see, that's where I went. There's religious. We're going to start talking Christianese again. Yeah, I know. And I (laughs) did like, it was there and I was like, okay, I'll just say it. But like, I don't. Maybe this is the plot of humanity. Maybe this is part of, quote unquote, if we want to get religious, part of the fall. Um, Maybe this is working out your salvation. With fear and trembling. That, see, I don't think that means cowering. You don't? I used to think that. I don't think that's what that means. I think this that this is working out your salvation, working out your relationship with God, working out your relationship with yourself with awe and respect for the process itself. Mm-hmm. Because I think I have to believe it's beneficial. I have to believe that there's something good on the other side of it. Or, I mean, really, what the fuck is the point? Honestly, that's what it comes down to in my mind. Like, there better be something better than this, or what the hell am I doing? And I, I feel like I've been there for a while. I feel like I've been at that point for a while, which is why I'm having a hard time believing in God. Mm-hmm. And I keep, I keep, expressing it in this way that if god is if god is not as good as he should be then why the hell do i need to believe in him what point does it serve and i think that's what i think i'm giving voice to this more so than anything if if there's not a reason for all of the things that i'm feeling what the hell am i doing here hmm. okay no i got it sounds I gotta, daunting I, and dramatic yeah, no 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 i got we got to we got to pause we got to hit the pause button when, because I want you to, I want you to talk about that. If, if, if all of these, if I'm having all of these feelings, surely there has to be a reason for it. Right. Which feeling? The feeling that you're not good enough. The feeling that God's a fraud. The, the feeling struggle. that, okay, the struggle. Yeah, the struggle to try and figure out who you are and that you're okay. I mean, I'm. I don't know about you, but I get tired, Seth. I know. I get tired. I get very tired as well. And that's why I have to put this away for a while sometimes. Because I can't keep doing this all the time. I have to put it away and say, fuck it for right now. But that frightens me too, in all honesty. So a friend of mine recently, she listens to this show, so she's going to hear this. She recently informed me that I have a pattern. And that everyone in my life can see the pattern, but I can't see it. And I'm so used to it that the the feeling is actually comforting. Exactly. Is that not, and I'm sorry, but I am going to swear. Is that not <laughs> fucked up? I It's understandable. I get it. So she shared with me that I have this way. Okay, which mm, You have what? I have this way of being dramatic, okay? Okay. Responding to situations that are out of proportion to what's actually occurring. 
because I'm trying to manage my own emotions while trying to manage the emotions of others and I don't do it well. And when I step into this realm, I tend to, it's like, uh, she says, Seth, you like literally like throw a grenade down a hallway. It's like you intentionally will go and you will do something and you will come to me and say, I did something stupid. I did something wrong. And then what happens is all of this stuff occurs and a lot of things are shared. And then I want to freaking run and I distance myself. And this happens like not just in my other with my other show fade to gray, but it also happens in my personal relationships. It's also why I have lost so many close friends of mine. I started counting and I have legitimately lost people because of this pattern and because of my dramatic nature and my level of own self-loathing. But what happens is I distance myself from everyone. I run and then I like veg out and I play all of these tapes about how I am a failure and that I am not who I want to be and how I'm never going to have what other people have and that there is something inevitably, irrevocably broken within me. And for me, that stems to my lack of acceptance in the church. Yeah, that makes sense. It it, it comes to... And, and it comes to having feeling sexual attractions towards something I didn't choose, which condemns me to hell. But this right. is the thing. I think that's just, that's what it is for me. It's different for everyone, but it's not to say that mine is bigger or worse than anyone else's. But yours, it's just it's yours. It's mine. It's my cross to bear. <laughs> the religious shit. <laughs> I was about to say well, the my cross okay. to bear, but like. But that's okay. That's part of. That's part, I, I don't like this word that much in all honesty, but that's part of your indoctrination. I mean, when you're talking about all of your stuff stems from acceptance, their lack of acceptance, you were trained not to accept that and therefore, by extension, not accept yourself. You were trained that way. That's not something you dreamed up on your own. That's something you were indoctrinated with. And depending on how many years that indoctrination went on, the self-loathing makes 100% sense to me. It makes, I hate it for you, but I understand it it. it. it makes sense, and you can understand it, but it's destroying my life. I get that. It's destroying yeah. my connection with other people, and... That's when I, it's interesting, you know, I can talk shit on myself all day long and I am fine with it. But when it comes to rejection, when it comes to the opinions of other people, I lose my shit. It's what, it's what brings everything to the surface. And I, I get that. I just wish that I could get to a point in my life where I didn't feel like I constantly had to run. Do you think do you think you do that in order to distract? Like you you talk about lobbing a hand grenade down a down a hallway. Do you think that that the reasoning behind that is to distract yourself from what you're feeling? If you if you make something happen big outside of yourself, it's easier to not look inside yourself. Correct. But then the self-loathing comes back because you know that you did that. Yes. Your problems haven't gone away and now you've added problems to them because you've you've got this outside and now, drama that's now happening. Right. And now I owe other people an apology. And right. now um, I've hurt someone and I have repairs to make. Right. You know, and so I'm constantly in the cycle and it's just, it sucks. I agree. I freaking hate it. <laughs> and I have so many years of education and it doesn't making fucking difference. It doesn't, no, like, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't matter what degrees you have. It doesn't matter what you've achieved no it this is part of the brokenness of humanity this is something that we all have to deal with and i'm just sick and tired of it and i think for me specifically if i cause you know like i throw that hand grenade down the hallway and i upset people <laughs> when i i throw i throw the hand grenade down the hallway and i watch it blow up because if I have to address actual conflict, see, I think this is it. Mm -hmm. 
I, I think mm-hmm. this is my issue. Mm-hmm. I don't like conflict. I hate conflict. I and get yet you're super... living in conflict with yourself all the time. Right. I can deal with that. I can handle and argue with myself. <laughs> funny. I it's other people. <laughs> I'm not trying to be funny. It's, it's other people that I I can't deal with, and so like I will. I guess my fear around confrontation with other people is that it's going to confirm my own what you already think they think about yeah, you, right? Yeah. And it, and if they confirm that, what's the fucking point of? Yeah. And not to be suicidal, but like at that point, no, I know it all sounds very what, dramatic, but this what, is what we live with. What's the fucking point? Like, yeah, you know, if it's all been confirmed that I'm a piece of shit, and uh, it humans, hasn't been confirmed that uh, well, by the way. Uh, humans can't <laughs> love me, and therefore God can't love me, and I can't love yeah. myself. Right. What the? What am See? I doing? And so See, I told you we have the same problem. It's just yeah. from a different perspective. Because mm-hmm. I ask those same questions about myself all the time. My issue is not homosexuality, but I still don't see myself as good enough or okay or lovable or any of those things. So <laughs> it's, and I think maybe this is sadly that maybe this is a very common problem that many people feel this. I think, um, I think, I think that a lot does. of. Yeah, I think a lot of behavioral issues are people reaching out trying to feel something mm-hmm. or to feel loved. Yes. I mean, we can go back into discussions on, uh, you know, like teenage sex, promiscuity as you get older, drug use, alcohol use, anything that, you know, is basically self-destructive is a cry for acceptance. No, that's a blanket statement. I shouldn't say that. That's, I mean, I think there's a lot of people that that may be true for, though. I don't think it's just substances, though. No, no, no. It can be anything, of course. I mean, <clears throat> exercise. Oh, <laughs> I, I, I mean, oh, you I, little I, shit. I will. I, hey, I mean, <laughs> hey, we're being open and honest here. Like, yeah, my, that, yeah, my is, drive and what I do is 100% me trying to be good enough. Yeah, I clapped I, that. I mean, I'm just, I'm just. I'm just it's there. I know. I, it's know, cool. Because I don't think it's just substances. I mean, I think it can be It can be anything. I mean, doing anything where you're putting a lot of drive into, yeah. I think yeah. it can bring that about. Yeah. Because, again, like I said, I think it's a common thing that it's people struggle to feel valuable, to feel loved, to feel accepted. I mean... Again, I I hate to beat this drum, but it's the truth. Uh, The church feeds off of that. Yes. I mean, that's its bread and butter right there. Well, we we have... Listen, we have to be broken in order to need a savior. Exactly. So... It's and you entire, are a dirty wretch, so right. So give me all your money, and let's keep the church going. And yeah, and we'll you, and you we'll placate you. We'll placate you from week to week. That you, okay, you're acceptable for now, and you're forgiven until next week. Until in which next we have time, to do it again. Yeah, yeah, no, it's the entire. Yeah, I mean, I model. know from experience, and I know that this isn't my own experience because I've heard lots of people say this, especially uh, as you hear people's deconstruction de- deconstruction stories. The idea of that constantly needing to beg for salvation. Yes. Like you don't, you don't believe it's a one and done thing. It's a constant. It has mm-hmm. to be a constant because we're, we're so busy trying to be good enough. And it's, then if you believe that you can lose your faith, it even gets more complicated. Oh yeah. You're, you're totally screwed. Because then point. at that point, like, well, then what <laughs> have I lost? Do I have it or have I lost it? Yeah. Where I mean, am I at on any given day? <laughs> where am I? I don't. I need a scoreboard. <laughs> <laughs> I, Jesus. Talk to me. Doesn't so, always answer either. So it doesn't. So I want to break down her steps though on like moving through this because okay. we mentioned it at the beginning, but I want to actually because right. I don't have because this is the deal. As you are all hearing, both Michelle and I are talking about a series uh, of stages, and we're both at this. Well, I mean, I think she's probably moved past it, but like we're we're both talking about this wall, and we're both sharing our own difficulty with it and our own fears of not being able to climb it. Right. So I want to talk and really focus on the things that she's recommending. And the and the first one is legitimately letting go of your ego. And yeah. so when we say ego, right, we just got done talking in the previous episode about achievement and reflection. Um, and, and really our ego 
presents itself during that achievement phase, that achievement stage, because it's when we're starting to feel like we've accomplished things. But what does letting go of that mean? Like, does that mean that we're not proud of our accomplishments? Does that not mean, like, what? what, what, See, and I think that's why I, I again, I struggled, right, I struggled with that whole achievement thing. I told you that because it felt like I was being told that, achieving things and, and being successful at things was bad. And somehow I had right. to askew that now that I had moved beyond it. And I just find that to be, sh- that's just bullshit. I'm still ha- happy about the things that I've achieved and, and accomplished. And I'm still trying to achieve and accomplish. I think it's just the difference is I, I recognize now that that is not where true power comes from. There's mm-hmm. nothing wrong, intrinsically wrong with those things. And, you know, I know we say this every time, but again, I'll repeat it. There's no, there's not supposed to be any judgment with any of these stages. And yet we inherently do give ourselves a judgment at each one of these stages. Of course we do. And so, you know, I look at it now and I go, look, I'm still trying to achieve. I'm still working on a degree. I'm still writing. I'm still working on me physically. I, I'm okay with that. I just recognize now that. I don't know that I'm good at it yet, but I recognize now that that's not really going to make me feel accomplished. <laughs> Although some days it still does. <laughs> right. In all honesty. That's the whole thing. Is we know <laughs> it's just like money, right? Like right. money is going to make me very happy for a short period of time, but it's not going to make me happy in no, the No, I'm still going to want more. <laughs> I'm still going to want more. Exactly. But my golly, if I have $20,000 and I can go buy a new car, I'm going to go buy a new car. Like, I'm going to be And happy I'm going to feel today. happy. And I'm going to yeah. feel happy. I'm going to yeah. be very happy about that. So maybe so, the letting go of your ego part is just recognizing that that feeling doesn't last and that, right. that that doesn't really accomplish anything. It's a short-term win at best. And really then finding that joy and that happiness internally yeah. rather externally. Okay. Yeah. I can... I, well, I can know, buy that. It's funny. I can buy um, that. My coach said to actually, uh, my, I have two coaches. They're a husband and wife team. But anyway, I, I deal mostly with Tamika. But her husband, Jason, said something to me yesterday. He's like, he's like, uh, he said it exactly the way I feel. I've tried to vocalize it before and it didn't come out well. He's like, I'm content, but I'm not satisfied. And mm. the meaning, like, I'm okay where I am. I'm perfectly fine here, but I'm not satisfied. I want more. And so I think that that's what it comes down to is finding that sense of content contentment. That may be what putting the ego aside is. It doesn't mean you stop sh- trying to do better or just, you know, accomplish things or, or whatever, but that you learn to be content. And even the, even the apostle Paul said that, right? Right. He said to be content in all things, in all things, but he yeah. also said, run the race to win. He did. He did. So that's he also, what I think. He also, he also said that it is better to tie a thing around your neck and jump in the ocean than to get married. So, you know, do we really take <laughs> this seriously? On any given seriously? day, my friend. Any given day. <laughs> do we really take him that seriously? If we followed his method, uh, it would have been the plight of what they accused the homosexuals of doing. They couldn't reproduce. Okay, well, but see, I know, your, I know your whole little spiel here. I know you I think know, Paul was homosexual, I, so. I know. I know. <laughs> Don't want it up there. We preach no, on the things we there. struggle with the most. And the Paul I know. all about relationships. I, I throw Paul in there because I just want everybody to know, yes, I've read the Bible. I do know my Bible pretty darn well, actually. I just am struggling with how it comes across a lot of the time. Fair enough. <laughs> but it does apply. There is wisdom there, for sure. Mm-hmm. You know, so, and again, that was a seeming contradiction to me, Paul telling you to be content, but run the race to win. To yeah, me, no, that kind of comes back to be content, but never be satisfied. <laughs> which, I, which I can understand. Right, and I get that. But and, I also, I, and I do get it. I also think they're contradictions, and I want to point that out. I know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but the Bible doesn't have any, so I don't know what I'm talking about. Yeah, that's about. what I keep hearing anyway. Yeah, that's what I've always been taught. So <laughs> the second thing, so we talked about ego, so we got right. to get right. rid of it. We got to learn to be content. That's easy. We'll just do that. But not satisfied. Yeah, we'll just drop the ego. That's easy. I can do that. I, I think <laughs> that I can do. The next one, on the other hand, giving up control. I think yeah, we talked quite a bullshit, bit about right control. <laughs> In our last episode, in what now? I know you don't like other people to drive. No, uh, I don't. I like everything to have a specific spot. I do too. Yeah, I'm with you. So, there. so what does giving up control actually mean and look like? 
Well, I think at some point in this process, of course, you reach a place where you don't have control. That's that's part of the characteristics of actually hitting that wall is that there is that feeling of a lack of I mean there's that that feeling is a lack of control. For anybody that's going through, you know, what's commonly been termed as deconstruction, there's a complete lack of control and certainty. Everybody everybody complains about that <laughs> that I've talked to anyway. But see, you know what that makes me feel? Hmm. Powerless, and now I'm yes. back at stage one. I know, damn it. What is going on? <laughs> well, that's what we said. You don't, it's not like you never see these stages again. They come and go. You just have a new understanding of them as you experience them, you know, sure. si- you know, consecutive times. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> but yeah, letting go of control. I, I'm not sure I, she talks about loving detachment. Yes. And <sighs> that doesn't make sense to me in all honesty. It doesn't. I, I really am struggling. But again, this, the whole idea of losing control is very distant from me. I don't like it. So a lot now, again, please listeners understand Seth is a mental health professional, but he's also <laughs> mentally ill. Got it. Okay. Aren't we all <laughs> Our, just need that established, but I think it's pretty well, I think it's pretty well established, but you know, just throwing that out there. Uh, something that I used to, when I was working with clients um, in crisis, something that I often would talk about. And again, it's a counselor line, um, but and it's around control, but I think it's I think it's valid here, and it, it's to focus on the things that are in your control, and let go of the things that are not in your control. Right. Well, and, and she makes that point. Control. She actually makes that point that that part of the giving up of control is not necessarily your control, but it's giving up control of other people. Yes. You don't get to make their decisions for them. You don't get to you don't get to decide how they feel about anything, and and. Again, I know I'm going to keep bringing it back to this, but during deconstruction, that is something that I have found I learned. I learned that. I went Mm -hmm. through a stage of trying to argue everything and convince people that my journey was valid. And finally, I gave up and said, it doesn't matter if they get it or not. It's not their journey. It's mine. I don't have to convince them. And I gave up that control. So she does mention that. And I, I am down with that. I think that is actually healthy. Yeah, no, I do too. Well, I think that when people often reach a point and when they're stuck... It's because they're trying to control others. Well, yeah, for sure. And they're unsuccessful. And it leads them to a point of powerlessness and frustration and anger. And then we have an outburst. So I think, you know, letting go of the control of others is, is key. And, and, and that one's going to be harder to do, especially in with my other podcasts and who I work with. Letting go of control <laughs> is very hard. Yeah. But I, I think that it's, it, I think it's, I think I think it's possible. I think it's doable. What's the next one? Oh gosh, she's got a couple of them here. Let me look. I want to make sure I don't say um, embracing your shadow. So she talked about shadows, yes, and shadow behavior, and that in each of the stages that we've unpacked, there is a shadow, mm-hmm. and this shadow oftentimes is the dark side of ourselves, the things that we don't right. want other people to see. Right. But that can often happen and, and develop as we go through the stages. Right. And some of them for this stage, she lists are play acting, but we've kind of done that one to death with imposter syndrome. <laughs> yes. <laughs> being stuck in confusion or being misunderstood. And I really feel like being misunderstood is very much a, a common occurrence for people. You don't quite know how to, you don't quite know how to explain what you're feeling or experiencing. And so you probably do it badly, which means that people don't know what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So you're definitely misunderstood. (laughs) Right. And I think being misunderstood is one of the things that, that really hurts people (laughs) and makes them feel powerless. It makes them feel like they're not in control. And for me, when I feel misunderstood, I get super angry. Well, yeah, it's a defense mechanism. Right. What does moving beyond your intellect mean? I kind of, from from her talk, I kind of took that as being it's not just in your head, but that you also can experience physical symptoms like stomach mm-hmm. aches and things like that. But well, maybe I think it that's goes a stress deeper. reaction, right? I mean. Right. right. So what, what exactly does she mean here? Not to put I you on know. the spot, but I couldn't really figure it out. I think, I mean, on on the surface, it, it appears to mean like letting go of everything you think you know, like through your expertise, through, you know, say your degrees or your cert- certifications or, you know, whatever, 
recognizing that you may not know it all mm-hmm. and, and not relying on that intellectual understanding to deal with everything. I kind of liken this to the idea of – I've come across two different kinds of Christians, so to speak. Those who are very big on the intellectual side or the theological side and those who are very big on, say, the experiential side. And each proclaims that theirs is the best side when in reality it's probably a mixture of the both, mm-hmm. of you know, both intellect and, and ex- experience. So I think it's it's stepping outside of that part of yourself and saying, okay, even with everything I've learned, maybe I don't know it all. That's that's my surface level understanding. I don't know. Do you have a different one? No. I mean, I think that, <laughs> that no, I think that that hits it on the head. Okay. Well, that's good then. Yeah. So, isn't it amazing? I don't have anything I am very intelligent, so. I mean, <laughs> you've got five degrees. So Not yet. I'm working on the fifth. There. <laughs> but when I get that one, all bets off. I'm the, yeah, it's game <laughs> over. Pinnacle, baby, pinnacle. <laughs> game over. Her and God oh, are going to duel shit. it out, just like Jacob and Jesus. Mountaintop experience, right there. You know it. <laughs> <laughs> no, then it'll be. What else can I do? <laughs> That's what it'll eventually be. <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm okay. I own. I own my crazy. So, yeah. I mean, I do most of the t- not all the time, but most of the time I do. Yeah, I'm usually pretty good. If somebody calls me on it, I'll say, "Yeah, you're right." I'll, I'll acquiesce. So, I just you're, like, you're going to say something. I can see. Yeah, it. I am. I. <laughs> if you're listening to this episode, you may notice that, like, for me, I, I'm kind of going in circles because on on one level, I really want to have answers for you, and I really want to present myself to you as someone who has it all together. But that's a <laughs> load of bullshit. I, I am, I'm, I'm struggling, and and I have yeah. been struggling for a while in my life. And I know in my mental minute, I said I said I'm doing good, but I'm talking on the the deeper level issues. And I think that I am legitimately at this wall. Yeah. I I think that my, as I've gone through religious deconstruction and as I've tried to fight my way in regards to self-acceptance with my sexuality, I've, I've brought myself to this place. <laughs> and it's a really big wall. And I yeah. think I've been fighting and slowly climbing this wall for um, a long time. Yeah. I don't think this is a new thing. I think that this has been where I have been for years. Yeah. And I think it's presented itself in different ways from my relationship difficulties to my own sense of self-sabotage to my fighting with God to my own insecurities. I, this is where I'm at and I don't, I don't have easy answers for you, but to say that if you're in this place, you are not alone. Not even close. Uh, (laughs) There's a lot of us. (laughs) Yeah. There, you're not alone. And, and I think for me, now again, within the last few weeks, the people that I cherish, the people that I consider my closest friends have kind of put that mirror up and kind of shown me <laughs> my, own, my own faults um, to kind sure. of see where I need to grow. But I do think that having that strong support system is absolutely critical in this time. And I really want to encourage, and I know Michelle's got this look like she disagrees with me. I I don't disagree. I don't have that experience. Oh, okay. So now we're at an hour, but we're going to keep going. (laughs) Because for me, having people like I have with Fade to Gray, where I can talk and kind of have the pushback, helps me move forward in the process. Now, I still get stuck. But it helps me move forward a little bit. But Michelle, how has this been different from your experience? Well, I think this is, I think this will some, be probably something I come back to um, when we get to the deconstruction part of the, you know, the next series where we're continuing on with deconstruction, because I feel like it is a very common feeling for many people as, uh, as they're going through that process, uh, relationships suffer and they find out that many of their relationships are not deep relationships at all. 
And that has definitely been my experience. So for now, I'm just going to say, first of all, I'm a deeply introverted person. Um, so I don't do well in person with people anyway. I wring my hands a lot. I'm pretty nervous. It, it has to be somebody I'm incredibly, incredibly trusting of for me to feel at ease. So finding out that those relationships that I had are, were not good relationships isn't that surprising to me. And yet it's deeply disappointing to me. And so when you say you have this core group of people around you that are your support system through this, it, it just kind of stabbed a little bit because I don't have that. I don't. Well, have you been a part of Fade Gray for a little bit? Do you know how healthy those relationships are? <laughs> Do you know like that you think it's all all roses? It's not. No, I um, get not that. that. Not no that relationship I come to you is. with that issue. But, no, no. But, but you know, uh, I. I think that we have to be careful with when we're talking about relationships. And I, and I want to back up to something that you said a minute ago, that, that you've had a lot of people putting a mirror up in front of you lately. And I, I think that that's beneficial. That is the beneficial side of those relationships, especially at this stage. However, I think also when we're talking about coming at this challenge from a place of deep self-image issues, mm -hmm. that it's easy to assume that everything everybody says to you is spot on. And that's just not true. So I think we have to be very careful to evaluate what is held up in front of us and shown to us and say, is that valid? And if it is, okay, cool. But we have to be able to evaluate honestly and say, I was with you to this point, but at this one, you lost me. That's not me and not self-identify there, mm -hmm. which is easier to do if you have a healthier self-image. I totally understand. But I think that's important to say because otherwise all we're doing is allowing other people to tell us what we're supposed to look like again. And that's not healthy either. So those relationships are valid. They're valuable, but we still want to make sure that we are evaluating, I guess is the best way to say that. Now, that being said, again, I don't have many of those relationships. I have one or two people that I'm willing to share things with. And you lucky person, you're one of them. Hey. Um, you get all my rants on Marco I love Polo. them. They really make my life better. Because <laughs> I have rants too. So let me just clarify. It's not like Michelle's I think mine are way only... more often than yours. Well, <laughs> it's true. They, they, I, I yours, just love it when I send you a often. rant. Yeah, I love it when I send you a rant. And my response I get back is you laughing your ass off. That that. It's so offensive. It's because, so hurtful. Because I'm so angry and it just pisses me off even more. But then I have to admit it's kind of funny. It's hilarious. So that just makes me some even angrier. Stuff, some of the stuff has been true gold. Wow. True gold. But <laughs> it's in love. <laughs> it's but no, you are one of them. I have, I have another person who's very, very close that I feel comfortable telling things to as well. But neither of you are face to face. That's true. Isn't that funny? But then again, well, we're also in the middle of a pandemic. Not, but well, we are but on you other wouldn't sides be of the either. country. It, it right? doesn't matter. It wouldn't be either way. So it, you know, I, and so I know there's a lot of negative that can be said about social media, but I do credit social media quite often for the very best friends that I have mm -hmm. because I wouldn't know you otherwise. It's a necessary um, evil. Yeah, kind of. You have to, you have to roll with the good and the bad. <laughs> right. There's sometimes there's bad. Yeah. But I definitely, I want to come back and discuss relationships, though, as we move into that next series, because I think that's very much a, a very large part of that experience for most people. Right. I, I think just when I say people close to you, what, what I really mean by that is what Ms. Michelle just illustrated, is having someone that you can talk to honestly with. Sure. Because yeah. if you don't have that and you start going through this the isolation, at least for me, got so severe that it got scary. Yeah. And I get a lot of shit at my other podcast, but I often deal with it because it's that community that right. that's gotten me here. Right. If you would talk to me three years ago, this conversation would be very, very different. I was probably still at the damn wall, but it, the conversation <laughs> would have been very different. So I, right. I come quite a ways i still have a long ways to go but well that's life yes it is that's that's what life gets to look like i mean we're never i don't think we're ever actually there my coach gave me a bracelet she gave me a couple of bracelets yesterday and i could hear her voice saying each one of them but one of them is life is not a destination it's a journey 
Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's so very true. And I so want there to be destination. Because <laughs> that's that certainty again, <laughs> rearing its head. You know what that so. reminds me of? Hmm. Lord of the Rings. Oh, maybe. Yeah. I liked Lord of the Rings, so that's cool. Well, I mean, they took, what, six hours to walk five feet? So, I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's about the journey, not the destination. <laughs> the Israelites took 40 years to go, like, they did. on a GPS now is, like, I think an hour and a half or something. <laughs> They're just going in circles. They didn't know what they were doing. <laughs> well, see, I think the only thing we have in common with that is we were all wandering around in our own confusion. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> we're the damn roadmap. <laughs> So I think that's a good way to end this. There is no roadmap. Yeah. There is no, no definition here. There is we, no we have tried no and true method. <laughs> yeah, there's no tried and true method to get past this. This is this is a necessary part of the journey. It's just a painful part of the journey. So. And you can make it. Yeah. But if you're in this place, I hope. just know <laughs> you're not alone. Yeah. So next time we're going to be talking about the power of purpose and the power of wisdom. Wisdom, yes. Wisdom. And both Seth and I, prior to this recording, were discussing that and both of us know nothing about it. So that's going to be a fun talk. Yeah. (laughs) We've not experienced that yet, so we don't know. We're going to be spitballing it. (laughs) So next episode. (laughs) A lot uh, of conjecture. (laughs) We're not experts. We... We read a book uh, about something that we have yet to experience, and we're going to talk about it like we know. Yeah. It's going to be a lot of fun, so make it sure will to be. tune in. <laughs> uh, all right. So until next time, then. Check us out. Fuck. Uh, <laughs> we were done. It doesn't really matter. Yeah, it. Check us out on Facebook, uh, Mental Podcast. You can find us on uh, the Fade to Gray Network, as well as Mental on Podbean, and we have a Patreon. And also, we have a new merch store, so please feel free to check out the FTG Network on Store Frontier, and you can get your own mental shirt. Ooh. Until next time. And a face mask. <laughs> yeah, face masks, too. Hey, these are the movies that molded me. What's up, podcast listeners? This is Elizabeth. And this is Chris. What's going on? It's Omar here from Movies That Molded Me. What is Movies That Molded Me? It's the most fun podcast around. (laughs) It's a movie ranking (laughs) game show where we take our favorite movies from a specific topic or genre and play against each other to create the definitive top five list. Where can we find Movies That Molded Me? You can find us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Check it out. It's a lot of fun. (laughs) You need to listen to our show. Your plans? Today it's dinner with the parents at your spot. We gotta come back here. Now, their spot. Or you're on the edge of your seat at the game. Come on, just one time! And it's the one. Or maybe you're catching the next flight to... Now boarding flight 1850. Oh, that's you. The choice is yours. And when you're with Amex, it's not if it's going to happen, but when. American Express. Don't live life without it. Tired of guessing your glucose levels all the time? How about a better way to manage your diabetes? Introducing the Eversense E3 CGM system, the only six-month continuous glucose monitoring system. With real-time glucose readings every five minutes delivered to your mobile device and exceptional accuracy over six months, Eversense E3 gives you readings you can count on. For important safety information and to learn more about Eversense, visit eversensediabetes.com safety. Accuracy evaluated in adult populations with two calibrations per day or less.